This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Marketing Matters on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and of course, children of all ages, welcome to the program. Well, it's a little bit of a gray sky out there today. It's a little bit rainy, but that does not stop the show AR here. The czar of the MAR, a.k.a. the hip-hop prop, is the name. And, of course, segmentation, targeting, messaging, and positioning is the game. Listeners, what's up? You are to be saluted on a daily basis, baby. Please, this is Sirius XM Channel 111 Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. I'm your host, the militant poet, Professor Americus Reed, and they call me the Chuck D of the MKT. Turn me up a little bit, baby. Uh, check me out. Yo, I'm ignoring all the dumb stuff, yo, because nothing is coming from it. Check it out. I'm not going to waste no time messing around. I got you humming. Humming. Coming at you. Uh-huh. And you know we're going to get you. It's time for some action. Just a fraction of fiction. I got the clearance to run the interference into your satellite. Shining the battle tight. I'm on the mic, and you know I'm going to rock it right. Here's another sample. Just an example. Check it. How to build a brand. Guys, listen to me very carefully. 1881, the Wharton School was founded. We are super excited up here on Locust Walk. I'm dropping rhymes and estimating logit models at the same time. I got right brain, left brain working here. We are the first collegiate business school on the planet, ladies and germs. We wrote the book on marketing right here on the seventh floor of John M. Huntsman Hall. And, of course, we had to create a rodeo, oops, rodeo, radio program to fight the power and bring the knowledge directly. To the people, the show is, of course, called Marketing Matters, which airs live every Wednesday from 7 to 5, 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And we've got a great show lined up for you this week. So here's what we've got. Five o'clock, we've got Greg Paul, co-founder of R3. He'll be coming on to discuss his new book, Global CMO, Best Practice in Marketing, Effectiveness and Efficiency Around the World. At 5.30, we've got Theodore Noseworthy. This is Associate Professor of Marketing, York University, and we're going to hear about his article, very important new article he's publishing called When Two Wrongs Make a Right, Using Conjunctive Enablers to Enhance Evaluations for Extremely Incongruent New Products. Now, just reading that title, I think I just got a little bit smarter there, so that'll be pretty exciting to talk about that with Theodore at 5.30. Of 6 o'clock, we've got Donald Miller, CEO of StoryBrand. He'll be talking about his book, Wait For It, Building a Story Brand, Clarify Your Message So Customers Will Listen. And at 6.30, this is it, ladies and gentlemen. I will be taking your calls. you got to listen up very carefully now. We're going to be discussing something that's extremely important to all of you that are out there, and that is how to build your personal brand. This is something I've been thinking about quite a bit. I'm constantly counseling folks on how to do this. We'll have that conversation with listeners out there at the end of the show. Well, there's not a square to spare, so let's welcome our first guest to the program. Greg Paul, welcome to the show, and thanks for coming on. Hey there. It's a pleasure to be here. I think that was the best introduction I've heard since uh... (laughs) Scott Rogowski on HQ Trivia. Oh, thank you, sir. I appreciate the positive feedback. I will hire you as my official PR guy because you make me just feel like uh, you know I'm doing the right things here. Uh, we are very happy on the happy to have you on the program here uh, tonight, Greg. Likewise. Super excited. Uh, what I like to do, Greg, when I start off is to make sure that I give my listeners some context. So I always ask guests to sort of uh, tell us a little bit about their journey. Tell us about the pathway of how they found 
what they're interested in and sort of their passion points and the journey along the way. Because a lot of times I'm counseling students on advising them on their careers and mm. sort of it's very useful to kind of know these different journeys of the gurus that we invite to come on the program. Give us some insight. Well, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm Australian, so I'll try and speak English as clearly as I can for you, if you can understand <laughs> me. But, um, yeah, I've, I haven't lived in Australia for 20 years. I, I moved to uh, the U.S. and the U.K. and then to Asia. Um, mm. And, uh, you know, we've, we've really spent the last 15 years trying to understand the way marketing works and try mm -hmm. to look at how, um, you know, different marketers are addressing different, different challenges. And I, and I think the key thing for your students now is the fact that wherever you're marketing and however you're marketing, it's become a global business. Mm -hmm. um, and you really need to understand, you know, the global best practice and not just the best practice in your own neighborhood or region or, or, or market. So it's one of the reasons why we sat down to write this book uh, six months ago now. And, and really, it's not a book about us or anything else. It's about a book about the 18 CMOs that we featured in there. So mm. we wanted to try and cover everybody from Coca-Cola to MasterCard to Samsung oh, uh, and around and around and back again. So um, it's really their story and it's it's pretty interesting some of the challenges they're going through. Of course, there's, you know, they've got a lot of consistent issues that they're dealing with. So when did you get interested in marketing? Why why is this something that's that you're passionate about? Why is it a fundamental thing that you feel like intellectual curiosity-wise you just have to pursue this? It's a great question. No, I mean, honestly, I think um, marketing has been much maligned over the over the mm -hmm. past few years. But in the end, it's one of the few drivers of global <laughs> business. Mm -hmm. you, know, you look at successful companies like Apple or Nike or others, and marketing is a really key foundation of that business success. So, you know, I think if you if you're interested in business, you have to be interested in marketing. Mm -hmm. I, what I always try to talk about, Greg, in my classes, the, their very first day of the class, students come in. And they, I have to almost immediately on day day zero, I have to basically demystify marketing because they think somehow it's just a bunch of these scattered kinds of tactics. You know, I do a focus group, run an ad, you know, mm. blast an email. And I think your point's a fantastic point, Greg, which is to say that marketing is actually a strategic approach to understanding how to connect with your customers. And that's a very yeah. different mindset. If you can think about marketing as an in, and the brand and what you're doing as an investment rather than yeah, a, a cost item on the, on the balance sheet, you're doing something right. Would you say that's a fair characterization? Yeah, look, there's a, there's a fantastic quote in the book from uh, Raj Ranamana, who's the CMO of MasterCard. He says, you know, marketing is now within the company. It's seen as a significant business driver and a partner mm. in winning new business and keeping existing business. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when, when marketing can play that role, um, you know, there's always going to be a place for it in the, in the business environment. Very cool stuff. Tell us a little bit about R3 and uh, how you got started there and some of the stuff you've been doing there. Yeah, so we're an independent uh, marketing transformation consultant. So we don't make ads and we don't um, make marketing campaigns. We're there really to help benchmark and, and improve. So, you know, we, we just see that the, the CEO has got McKinsey, Bain, and BCG, and the CFO can deal with KPMG, <laughs> Ernst & Young, mm -hmm. and KMP, PwC. But, you know, the CMO doesn't really have anyone like that. So we want to play that role for them to be that independent advisor and and help them grow. So, you know, we've been very fortunate to work with people like Coca-Cola and Unilever and mm. uh, Samsung. You know, I'd, I'd probably say about a third of the clients in the book are, are ours and, and the other two thirds are, um, you know, uh, people we haven't worked with yet, but we thought have interesting stories. Mm -hmm. And so tell me a little bit about this notion of transformation, Greg, because I think that's kind of an interesting point that you're making here, which is that, you know, traditional consultancies come in and, you know, I guess they they, they advise in the context around segmentation, targeting, positioning, messaging, and they're mm -hmm. also interested in growth. So I want to get a sense of your secret sauce. I want to get a sense <laughs> of what you're doing that, that you feel is really special for these firms. 
Yeah, it's a great question. It's a combination of sort of, of you know chemistry and uh, and benchmarking and, and and best practice. So we're always looking at you know, who's doing a great job in the market in different segments and different mm-hmm. areas, and what can we learn from that? Mm-hmm. So, and not everybody can be P&G or Coca-Cola, but there's still things you can learn from every advertiser and every marketer. So, you know, the question is, well, what processes are you going through? How are you improving what you're doing? How are you working better with your marketing partners in a more effective way? Um, you know, what can you constantly do to improve? And everybody wants to improve in life, whatever they're doing. And so what's interesting about this analysis, is that what I, which I absolutely love, Greg, is this idea that your your job then is to help them. It, well, basically, it's kind of interesting because what you're doing is you're you're sort of surveying the field, and you're saying I'm going to identify what really successful companies are doing. What are mm. the common things across maybe even industries, uh, best practices of these companies, and how do I abstract up from those best practices into common strategic principles for marketing? Yes. Yeah, no, exactly. That's it. It's the sort of seven habits of highly effective marketers. That's kind of the, you know, the, the approach we're taking. And um, you know, it's uh, we're fortunate to have a lot of them in this book to talk about what they're doing. So we're you know we're sort of learning every day. Very cool stuff. Now tell me again, Greg, how many companies were uh, interviewed are included as case examples in the book? Yeah, so we, we, I mean, we focused very much on global CMOs. So okay. we, we couldn't get to that individual itself. Uh, we'd move on to the next company. We, we ended up with 18 in total. Oh, nice. Um, and it's a really good mixture of financial services, CPG, um, you know, hospitality, et cetera, mm-hmm. right across the board. So I think, you know, it's, um, it's interesting to see how different companies are approaching similar challenges, mm-hmm. um, you know, in a very different way. So... Um, you know, it's been a fascinating project, actually. And so, what was? How did you structure your your interview protocol to talk to these uh, eighteen uh, CMOs? Yeah, it's a good question. And we we had you know a very detailed discussion guide that we went through. Um, but but honestly, the the basis of it all was was the aspect of digital transformation and improvement oh. because that's something that uh, we found as a common thread. I mean, we got into in the book. Uh, Things on measurement and, and, and agency partners and, and so on and uh, building a modern marketing playbook. But, you know, at the heart of it is how do I deal with uh, transformation within my company, transformation within, uh, you know, my, my frenemies at uh, Google hmm. and Facebook and hmm. uh, et cetera, and then and Amazon. And, you know, and how do I build a, a 21st century uh, business um, that's going to be, um, you know, uh, Teflon and future-proof. That's the challenge that uh, seemed consistent across the board. And so what were some of the things that when you talked to these, these 18 CMOs, what were some of the things, I guess at some point they expressed what they thought were criti- mission-critical issues or challenges that were keeping them up at night? Did they do any of that? Did they? Yeah. Did they? Did you elicit any of that from them? Can you elaborate a little bit on those on yeah, those thoughts? That's one of our that's one of our core questions actually is what keeps you awake at night because it'll be different, mm-hmm. slightly different for every company. But I think, you know, one of the challenges internally is just you know is needing to manage um, the whole aspect of an e-commerce and a mm. digital relationship. So suddenly I have to work with a CIO. I have, mm. I have to work with the chief sales officer because my my whole sales process is changing. So. You know, the, the CMO is kind of now in this triumvirate of, of different talent within the company. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's a new area for them. It's something they haven't been doing. You know, they, in, in the past, they've been doing trade marketing through supermarkets or mm-hmm. wherever their, their sales uh, channels are. And, mm-hmm. and this is a whole, totally different way for them to approach things. So, so there's a big internal challenge as well. And I think that, you know, we came up with these eight actions. And the first one was was never stop learning. I think the, the CMOs that are succeeding are the ones that are out there always learning and always trying to improve. So, oh, that's interesting. So so part of the analysis then, and we're going to get into this uh, shortly, 
uh, Greg, is this idea that so there are there are eight kind of guideposts, if you will, correct that you think are here are based on our analysis, based on the research that we did, talking to these uh, important CMOS that are going to be essentially the 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 the. the the, the, the sort of advisement approach or the protocol or the methodology, if you will, yep. that they're going to have to pay attention to. Is that is that the idea? Yeah, exactly. We came up with eight, and I think all of them are, are very relevant to pretty much every company. I mean, I think they're all, um, um, you know, we try to avoid the motherhood statements and actually look for something very specific. <laughs> yes. And, uh, you know, hopefully we've done the best we can in that area. Very, very cool stuff. So let me get a, a sense of, because I, I want to drill down a little bit, Greg, into this mm. point that you made, which is a very nice point. You're talking about the notion that the, C, the basically the role of the CMO and how the and how the the activities and tasks and skills uh, of the CMO that are required now are changing greatly in mm. this new digital transformation. Can you talk a little bit more about? Because I love this idea about the need to sort of be able to manage various. Uh, aspects of e-commerce and digital transformation across various units, across what you're doing, being able to interact with the the chief information officer or the chief mm. sales officer, as you mentioned. What skill? What What do you need? If you're a mar- if you were talking to my students, mm. and you said, "Listen, you know, you see yourself as wanting to be a CMO. Here are the new sets of skills that you have to be able to have to be successful yeah. in yeah. this new role, which we are reimagining for you." Well, yeah, I mean, I hate to just jump into the eight actions, but there's one or two that are really relevant. And the first one is really, well, the number four is, is adopt a business mindset. I think, you know, 50 years ago in the Mad Men days, um, the CMOs were part of the boardroom or, in, you know, and even the CEO would, would play that role So, mm-hmm. in a company. But, you know, as, as time wore on, the, proving the role of marketing became more and more difficult. Mm. Um, and I think with the with the advent of data and the advent of more measurement, mm-hmm. um, I think the CMOs are going to return to the boardroom and mm-hmm. and actually play a more strategic role in um, in a business. So, you know, the, the the CMOs that have that business mindset and and a part of the investor relations meetings and the shareholder events and so on, mm-hmm. they're the ones that are going to play a far more effective role in the company. Interesting. So this investor, uh, sorry, this adopt a business mindset. This how does this tie into Greg, the idea of, and, and how should folks that are wanting to be on a track for CMO, mm. how should they think about sk- developing skills and analytics? You mentioned this notion of yep. measurement that yep. plays in. So it, I, I'm, here's the way I'm, I'm seeing it, Greg, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. You got to be, when you say adopt a business mindset, what you're saying is you got to be able to go into these different, uh, be in this meeting, talk to folks from different areas, and basically speak their language. You have to be able to kind of trans transform what you're or, or, or translate I guess maybe the word mm. translate what you're doing into their language and to sp- and have a common kind of overlapping kind of mindset in terms of how we we all look across the company in terms of what we're doing is that the idea yeah look I think in the in the early days of social media um, you know CMOs were, were rushing into the boardroom and saying look I got uh, two million likes or uh, <laughs> half, a, half a million click-throughs or whatever it's like you know, the CEOs would stare at them blankly. I think now, you know, you need a measurement structure mm. that relates back to the business. So mm-hmm. it may be, um, you know, purchase intent or it may be, you know, clicks to actual visits. It's, it's something more tangible than just, you know, people like what they saw. Mm. Um, so I think that's, you know, setting up the right metrics is going to be critical going forward. And I think, you know, the, the students that you're dealing with now need to really look closely at the KPIs for the campaigns they're developing and, and, and make sure that they've actually tagged into the business objectives. Super interesting. Listeners, if you're just joining us, we are on the phone live with Greg Paul. Greg is the co-founder of R3, a globally-minded independent marketing consulting firm 
Prior to establishing the firm in 2002, Greg led marketing and agency teams in the U.S., Europe, and Asia Pacific. Originally from Australia, he loves Vegemite. I made that up. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, he has helped build a new breed. Listen to this, listeners. A new breed of best practice and measurement tools and processes to help marketers improve performance. He's on the line right now live talking to us about his new book, which is called Global CMO, Best Practice in Marketing Effectiveness and Efficiency Around the World. If you are interested in joining this very important conversation, please give us a call at one eight four four wharton That's one eight four four nine four two seven eight. Six, six. Now, Greg, I love this. We've got eight things we've got to touch on. Let's hit those things. The first one that you mentioned is never stop learning. And I, I'm, I'm interpreting that, Greg, as a kind of intellectual curiosity. Never, you know, never believe your own press. Uh, always say, you know, if people tell you you're awful, don't believe them. If people tell you you're a genius, don't believe them. You just kind of have to keep thinking about how do I get better? Is that part of this improvement mindset? Elaborate on the point number one, yeah. never stop learning. I think that's exactly it. I think, you know, you've seen some um, some interesting companies now set up their own incubators for the marketing team, bringing mm. in some startups and... Uh and just trying to learn from um, from the young from the young companies that are growing up, and I think that mindset is going to be really positive going forward. Very very cool. So that mindset that's very interesting. It's sort of like let's infuse some of this disruptive disruptor blood into what we're doing, and maybe we can maybe we can have some halo from this from the DNA of what these these young companies that have kind of maybe even a different approach to thinking about customers and the way that their business models work. Maybe we can catch some of that magic. Is that the idea? Exactly, exactly. It doesn't mean just going to chase the next shiny bright thing, but mm-hmm. at least understand what those things are and then mm. and see if they're relevant for your business and how you can um, you know, can adopt them as appropriate. Excellent. What's the second key principle, Greg? Well, the second one is really important. It's fight for talent. I mean, you, you look at the growth of people like Google and Facebook. You know, they're hiring uh, 100,000 people now that they've pulled out of marketing teams and, mm-hmm. and agencies. So, you know, finding the people that can actually make a difference to your business mm-hmm. is more critical than ever before. And I think, um, you know, it's always been a challenge, but I think just having that mindset of, you know, how do I find these digitally savvy talent that can really, um, you know, educate uh, and improve things in the way we're, we're going forward. Gotcha. And so this digitally savvy talent, so that's basically saying uh, in terms of how, how, do you, how do you change your HR model in that context to make sure that you are capturing those kinds of, well, of talent? Honestly, I think it's also connecting with universities like yourselves and coming coming out to meet the, the graduates when you can um, get them young mm-hmm. and, uh, and and train them up appropriately. Um, you know, a number of companies we work with now have this thing called reverse mentors. Okay. Where, where 25-year-olds go in to talk to 50-year-olds oh. and try to explain to them what Snapchat is and Twitter and everything else. And, you know, it's it's uh, that's the way to do it sometimes. Very, very cool stuff. So in that context then uh, – as we, that's interesting because in some senses, you, uh, comment on this a little bit, Greg, quickly. Mm. You know, the idea that I have to, I have to give up. I mean, if I'm a senior guy or girl in the company and I've been doing this work and I'm going to bring in this young buck, this young man or woman who's savvy, they're on the gram, they're doing the thing, they're, they are digital natives and I'm a digital immigrant uh, and they're going to teach me something. I have, to have, I have to have some humility around being able to kind of learn from that reverse mentorship sort of process, right? Yeah, you know, the, the CMO of Colgate said, look, it's not about the learning curve, it's about the unlearning curve. Mm. You, know, you have to be willing to give up, you know, this idea of traditional marketing that you've had for the last 20, 30 years and embrace the new way because it's, it's coming at you. Interesting. What's point number three, Greg? Well, it ties back to Amazon. It's, it's become customer advocates. I think what Amazon have done very successfully is to have this incredible passion for customer centricity. Of course, that's always been a part of marketing, but I mm-hmm. think, you know, 
you're also playing the role of the voice of the customer in the organization when you're a marketing person. So I think just having that mindset, constantly learning about their uh, needs and desires can only make you more effective in the future. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, that is absolutely interesting. And then point number four is, point number four yeah, is... Yeah, adopt a business mindset we talked about a little bit before, which is, uh, you know, getting marketing back to the center of gravity of the company. So I think that's going to be very important. Interesting. Actually, you know what, Greg? We're going to give you a call back really quickly. We're going to take a quick break here uh, and give you a call back real quickly. Uh, I want to recapitulate for our listeners uh, exactly what's going on with respect to your fantastic book. The book, listeners, is called... Global CMO, Best Practice in Marketing Effectiveness and Efficiency Around the World. The author is Greg Paul, co-founder of R3. Uh, we are having, are having a discussion and conversation with him about sort of the best ways to think about how to respond to the digital transformation process in the context of sort of global businesses now and not just having to be relevant in your individual and particular countries, but knowing that you're going to try to take this thing and grow into a global market. What do you have to know? What do you have to do? There are eight principles to be able to focus on in terms of the book. The book is a very fascinating uh, treatise on this analysis because it takes a look at across various CMOs that are living this battle, fighting this battle every single day. Uh, to think about well, what are the things they need to focus on in having these conversations with what keeps them up at night and also what are their approaches that they are using and these are hand-chosen CMOs that are very successful in their particular industries. And so the book was written to kind of capitulate all of those different aspects so that we can have learnings. The key learnings, there are eight of these key learnings. Uh, just to sort of briefly talk about what uh, Greg was mentioning as the key learnings. Number one, never stop learning. Uh, he mentioned the notion of setting up an incubator to try to capture some of that young, dynamic nimbleness, if you will, of these younger companies that allow the older legacy companies to become more, uh, more effective, more flexible with respect to being able to uh, actually uh, be effective and to be more globally relevant. That was point number one, never stop learning. Point number two is vie for talent. I love this example that Greg was mentioning because vie for talent is critical. I talked to lots of folks uh, who want to get into Google, for example. And it's very interesting. Google is hiring smart people, basically. So sometimes they hire like poets and writers and all these fantastic individuals with various right brain and left brain creativities uh, to be able to have kind of a, a, a diverse amount of intellectual uh, talent that they can draw from. So vie for talent, number two. Number three, become customer advocates. This is very important. I think this is borrowed a little bit from Jeff uh, Bezosian uh, logic, if you will, in that the context then allows you to sort of be empathetic from the customer's perspective and to always think about how to delight the customer. That's point number three. Point number four that Greg was mentioning was to adopt a business mindset. In other words, for the CMOs to really think about how what they're doing needs to go beyond just metrics of things like, okay, what are people doing? What are they liking? But to try to make the connection between those social media or digital transformation behaviors and what's going to actually impact the bottom line uh, of the organization. So in that particular context, adopting a business mindset is a critical point that is very much related to this idea of principles that we need to basically embark upon to become very successful future CMOs. Now, what's interesting about the CMO role is that we know that it is definitely changing. 
And so when I talk to my students who are interested in becoming, they are lots of marketing majors in my class, they're very interested, obviously, in their career trajectory with respect to those specific roles, uh, being a chief marketing officer, but they need to understand that that role is very different now compared to five, tens, most certainly 15 or 20 years ago. The CMO, it used to be that marketing really was this sort of cost center. You know, you spent money on doing a bunch of marketing things and you weren't really sure as to whether or not those things that you were doing were having an effective return on investment. And so there's a classic kind of saying, uh, I, I think by Ogilvy, that basically said that, you know, I spend half my money uh, on half of my advertising budget doesn't work. I just don't know which half, you know. So from that perspective, trying to become smarter CMOs, trying to become very intelligent and with respect to thinking about the key protocols uh, is so very much important and, you know, relevant to that. So let's jump back into the conversation uh, with Greg. Greg, how you doing? Hey, America, it's good. Sorry about that. Man. And no worries, my no worries, my friend. All good. So let's jump into point number five. Yeah, so this one revolves around marketing partners. So all of the agents and rosters and so on that people work with, it's just basically a new approach to partners. You know, McDonald's last year appointed uh, a new agency uh, group, and they insisted that Facebook and Snapchat become part of that team. So mm. it's really looking at different types of structures and getting technology partners ingrained within the system. Oh, interesting. Um, that's going to be critical going forward, I think. Interesting. Point number five, a new, thinking a new... And all of this has kind of interesting, as you mentioned, these uh, eight points, uh, Greg, all of these have a kind of digital, digital component to it, right? Yeah, yeah, pretty much so. That's true. Very cool. What is point number six, Greg? Well, I guess it's digital as well, which is measure it to move it. You know, I think without um, actually tying the marketing activities to the organization's business objectives, you're not going to be able to prove the real ROI of marketing. Mm. So it's really understanding the right KPIs to measure and, and drive it forward. What are some of the wrong KPIs that people focus on? Look, I think, um, you know, there's a lot of KPIs just around pure engagement or pure awareness, mm -hmm. and that's good to a point. But in the end, awareness and engagement have to lead to something. It has mm. to involve... You know, it needs to lead to uh, either a perceptual change, it needs to lead to a trial, or it needs to lead to a, lead to a sale. So, mm -hmm. you know, understand those factors and then really try to measure it. And then point number seven, Greg? Well, we stole this from Zuckerberg, but it's basically <laughs> run, fast and, run fast and break some things, which is, you know, really willing to test and learn. Um, you know, it comes back to the idea of incubators and just, just try to take a test market or a test case and mm. do something and, you know, see how it impacts uh, and see how it drives business. So, you know, I think Samsung have been famous at doing that, picking markets and doing something very different. Mm. And so in this test and learn sort of context, Greg, how, how, do, how, do, how do innovative, modernized CMOs get around the perhaps the, the pain point around the risk associated with failure? Because yeah. I would assume that that plays a role in this, right? The willingness to engage in these kinds of things, right? district or a country and, mm -hmm. and, you know, do a sensible test and learn or even do A-B testing, which is, you know, marketers are still slow to pick up, which is doing multiple messaging and trying to determine, you know, quickly which one is going to be the more effective. Interesting. And what's the, the eighth point, Greg? Well, you know, the, the eighth one I think is really important. I think we get caught up in all the technology and, and so on. And the eighth one is remain a storyteller. You know, at the end of the day, storytelling still lies at the heart of marketing. You know, the, the, the marketing campaigns you remember usually have a great story behind mm -hmm. them. Not all about 
data and placement and analytics. It's actually about a bigger picture and a bigger thinking and a bigger idea. So mm-hmm. um, those sort of things would be critical as well. Very, very cool. Listeners, just to recapitulate and to recap this fantastic book, the book is called Global CMO Best Practice in Marketing, Effectiveness, and Efficiency Around the World. Uh, Greg Paul is the author, who is co-founder of R3, and he gave us eight important tips. These are the eight tips. Number one, never stop learning. Number two, vie for talent. Number three, become customer advocates. Number four, adopt a business mindset. Number five, look for new approaches to partner around the world. Number six, measure to move it, proof of concept. Number seven, Always test and learn, which is related to point number one. And then finally, number eight, remain a storyteller. In other words, always be focused on the narrative of your brand so that you can continue to engage your customers. I'm going to call those the elite eight principles (laughs) of what the global CMO has to know in terms of what they're doing and becoming the best CMO that they can possibly become. I want to thank you very much for coming on our show tonight. Greg, where can they get the book? Uh, Yeah, it's on Amazon. It's going to be in bookstores from May the 1st. Excellent. That's awesome. Listeners, if you want to learn more about R3, go to r3.com. That's R-T-H-R-E-E.com. Or follow them on Twitter at R3WW. You can also learn more about the book at Global CMO Book, one word.com. Up next, we've got Theodore Noseworthy, Associate Professor of Marketing at York University, talking about his new paper, When Two Wrongs Make a Right. You're listening to Marketing Matters. This is Professor Americus Reed, a.k.a. The Segmentation and Targeting Terminator. I'll be back. And this is Business Radio powered by the Wharton School on Sirius XM 111. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play.